unfortunately, playing basketball. And it wasn't, it wasn't even glamorous. I wasn't even dunking like I normally do. <laughs> it was just woeful. But anyway, I, I did bring a stool. I didn't bring it. It was here. I might sit down if I get sore. But anyway, I'm going to talk about love and judgment tonight. How good does that sound? Who, who's up for a bit of judgment tonight? A bit of judgy. Who's, who finds it hard to not judge other people? Good. Um, we're going to talk about it tonight, and I want to get some, uh, one of you guys to give some advice out to people. So, um, one of the reasons I really want to do, or not talk about this, because we're talking about Jesus this year, but one of the main things we're doing as a church this year is our hospitality and our dinners with one another which as one of its aims is that we would connect more relationally with one another, get to know one another um, in deeper ways, but perhaps also confront in us some of the judgments that we make about one another that we can easily hold that are harder to hold when you're sitting across the dinner table from each other. Maybe I'm just talking about myself in this context, but I can tell you there have been times where you know, you kind of just make up your mind about someone or you've had one encounter with them and you kind of label them like that and then all of a sudden you're having coffee with them or you're having dinner with them and you're hearing their story and you're like, oh, naughty me for judging them. And I think we all do this. In fact, I think it's fair to say that humans by nature are always judging. And I, I've heard it said that whenever any woman walks into, the, into any given room, she will rate herself on a social scale and decide where she fits instantaneously. Which is, an in, I don't know what it, how men do that. I reckon they do as well. Push it down and suppress. But anyway, I think it's just such a, a part of um, how we are people. And I want to just provoke us and push us tonight into places where we would be more like Jesus. And we would learn how to lay down our judgments of one another and really just walk in more unity and freedom as God's people. So that's what I want to do. So if you fall asleep now, you've got the, the gist of it. Um, in our John chapter 17, Jesus prays some wonderful prayers for his followers. And one of them is that he prays that we would be one like he is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's this great kind of Trinitarian, amazing, mystical prayer that Jesus prays, where basically we, as his followers, as his people, would demonstrate a oneness that reflects the oneness of God. When we judge one another, we are constantly breaking up that oneness. It's impossible to be one with one another and to be in unity with one another when we are judging one another in our hearts because it affects our behavior, it affects our attitude, and it affects the way we relate to one another. Judgment, when we judge each other, it always leads to some form of separation. We pull apart from one another when we engage in judgment. Mother Teresa said, if you judge people, you have no time to love. If you judge people, you have no time to love. So judgment, in a way, is a, a counterplayer to love. When we love one another, we don't judge one another. 
we are called to love one another as Christ has loved us. So it's a challenging thing because it's, it's challenging to think we all judge all the time, always, and yet Jesus calls us to a better and a higher way, a narrower way, you could say, of not judging one another, but of loving one another. Matthew chapter 7 is, of course, Jesus' wonderful, amazing um, statement on judging. You all know it, right? It's like one of the famous, any famous parts of Jesus' teaching. Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is some kind of, Jesus often says statements like this, like forgive one another. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. There's almost this interesting interplay of community where we receive back that which we give to one another that Jesus alludes to on several occasions. He definitely does it with forgiveness and he does it with judgment. He kind of alludes that to the extent that we judge one another, we will receive back that judgment. The way we measure each other with a measuring stick, whether it's a measuring stick of income or status or beauty or whatever it is, we receive the same judgment in return. And I don't, Jesus isn't talking about karma. He's talking about this interplay that the dynamics of community are that the way you treat one another sets a culture and a tone that in itself perpetuates. So the church should actually be this beautiful sign and foretaste of the kingdom of God where we love one another, we exist in oneness and judgment is out the door. Is that what the church is like? No one's going to respond. A few smiles. Not really. We kind of fall over a bit and we create these other cultures where we do judge one another and we do have hierarchies and systems of, of better than. And Jesus challenges us to get rid of all of that. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This piece of scripture, I think, is one of the excellent examples of Jesus being funny. But usually we take this incredibly seriously, like, oh, it's the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is sitting on a rock, isn't he? Because he always is sitting on a rock in this scene. And, and, the, and, and the people are gathered in front of him and it's all very serious because it's about serious topics like adultery and murder and lying and and judging, and we, we, we often have this great, great serious tone whenever we read the words of Jesus, but we often, especially in our context, just miss the comedy and the fact that when Jesus was saying this, most likely the crowd was laughing and enjoying what Jesus had to say because it just is a ridiculous image. And I actually have got the image for you, and I actually, Luke, I might get you to come and be the blank man because I'm not sure I won't hurt someone or myself in the process. And so this is like what Jesus is. I've got my speck. Um, <laughs> this is my speck and Luke's got the plank. And it's like Jesus is saying, come on, <laughs> come, come and get my speck. 
<laughs> and so that's the image that everyone would have been picturing as this story goes down. And they would have been laughing at the just ridiculousness of having a plank coming out of your own eye um, and trying to wipe the speck of dust out of someone else's eye with a gigantic log coming out of it. And they would have had a laugh. And that is kind of like funny, but it drives home the point of what judgment really looks like. That when we judge one another, we're setting up these systems and these scales that are just ridiculous and are kind of funny and also very not funny in the same way. I am a really firm believer in the fact that Jesus does not ask anything of us, that he does not do the overflowing. So when he says forgive, it is because Jesus has forgiven to overflow. And when Jesus says to us, do not judge, it is because Jesus does not judge. Which I know is a strange statement to say. But I believe that when Jesus came, he showed us the face of God in a way where judgment does not look like what we expect judgment to look like. In fact, to use Luke's wise words today that he said to me, to say Jesus is judge sounds like bad news for Jesus. To say Jesus is our judge is really good news for judgment. Makes judgment look a whole lot better when Jesus is judge. So I don't believe that Jesus came to judge. And in many places in the Gospels, Jesus himself said that. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For I did not come to condemn the world but to save the world. That word condemn is the same word for judge. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. He says often again in later in John, he didn't come to judge. I have not come to judge. I've come to save. And so we see this picture of Jesus who doesn't come in with judgment, but come in with salvation. And in fact, the very idea of Jesus becoming a man and entering into the mess of our humanity and becoming like us to the very point um, going as low as he could do in order to save us from our own mess. That, that's a beautiful thing that we've talked a lot about, the incarnation. But what did we do to Jesus in return when he did this? What did we do to this God who put on flesh to walk among us out of love? We judged him. And we said to him, you're a glutton and a drunkard. And you are destroying our systems of religion. And you are provoking our systems of politics. And we don't like you. We don't like you a whole lot. In fact, we might put you on trial. And then we might decide that it's not good enough just to incarcerate you. We are going to kill you. So we made God a criminal and we crucified him. We judged the only righteous person to walk the earth and judged him as a criminal. And he died a criminal's death. And then God raised him from the dead and vindicated him. And in doing so, what he is saying to our systems of judgment is you know nothing about how to judge. 
When you judge, you get it all wrong. When you judge, you're upside down. And Jesus didn't just say, come, I'll just teach you a better way to judge. He came to annihilate judgment. He blew it up from the inside. Because if we could judge the Son of God, the very righteous one as being a criminal, how on earth do we have any foundation for judging one another? We, it's just the blind leading the blind. And that is, in fact, what Jesus said. So Jesus has blown up judgment from the inside when he was willing to descend so far as to become a criminal and die a criminal's death in order that he would expose our judgment for what it is and in doing so set us free from all the systems of judgment. So when I talk about don't judge, I don't want you to think, oh, I've just got to get a more godly way to discern and judge people. No, I actually think we need to die to judgment altogether. We need to die absolutely to the system of judgment, to be set free to love one another. Jesus was always provoking and exposing the judgment of others. In fact, so many of his parables are about exposing where judgment has gone wrong. We've got the Good Samaritan. We've got this person everyone doesn't like. We've got these good people, the priests and the Levites. And we've got this, you know, so and he's always turning it upside down and revealing people's hearts and how they judge. We've got the rich young man who comes and thinks he's got it all together, and Jesus asks him hard questions and he walks away sad. We've got the woman caught in adultery who everyone's ready to judge and stone to death as, as payment for her sins. And what does Jesus do? Get really tricksy and turn it all around. They drop their stones and walk away. Jesus is always provoking and dealing with our systems of judgment. He's always putting good guys against bad guys and having the bad guys come out good and the good guys come out bad. This is what Jesus always did. He's twisting the system all the time to provoke us to think differently about how we look and how we decide about one another. Not so that we can just come up with a better system, but so that our, the very nature of our system is just revealed as defunct. In um, Luke chapter 18, there's a great parable the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I love this parable. You would be familiar with this too. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this. Twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This is comedy too. This is Jesus. This is over the top. No one would have ever actually prayed like that. See ya. Um, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now when the hearers of this parable heard that, who do you think they thought was the good guy? The Pharisee. The Pharisee was the good guy. The tax collector was the bad guy. That was the system. It would be like if we had, you know, a member of council. Sorry, Sarah. Oh, no, you're not. What what do you call it? She works for council. No, just like a. (laughs) What are they called? Like members of. What are council members? Councillors. Councillors. Be like having a councillor and the mafia boss coming to church. And the counsellor walks in, he's like, I thank you, God, that I am not like this mafia boss. 
I don't extort money and beat up wives and drive a flat, you know, like, and, and then the mafia boss. So it's like that kind of thing. Everyone would have thought the Pharisee was the good guy, the tax collector was the bad guy. At the end of this parable, Jesus says, um, who do you think walked away righteous? And they would have thought, well, Pharisee's pretty righteous. Look, he's giving a tenth of everything. He's doing everything right. But in fact, Jesus says it's the tax collector that God sees as righteous in this parable. And again, when we look at this, we can think, oh, okay, so Jesus is trying to teach us, don't just judge by appearances. Oh, that's right. There's that Old Testament verse, isn't it, that says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so all of a sudden what we can do with a parable like this is think, oh, okay, so I can still judge, but I've got to add the heart in. You know, so I've, you know, I can't just judge outward appearances. I have to somehow discern the heart so long as I can judge like that. And maybe I don't really know the heart very much, but that's right. The Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So mm, all those people that are saying me things, they must have bad hearts, so I'm allowed to judge them. Really often with parables like this, we just set it up to be a different system of judgment. But Jesus is trying to expose the ridiculousness of the whole thing for what it is. If we were to read this parable from God's perspective, if we're sitting, this is not true, but you know, like if we're sitting up in heaven with God on his throne, because we all know that's not actually where God is, but anyway, if we are, and God is looking, and into the temple come two people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. From God's perspective, which one is a sinner? They, they both are, but maybe you can say, no, nah, nah, that's very true. They're both broken and messed up people. And beloved. All of us are in equal measures broken and beloved. God is not up on his throne judging us by our levels of brokenness versus our levels of belovedness. And all that person's brokenness is showing a bit too much today, therefore we can judge them. We, we all have both. And from God's perspective, there is no judgment on either of these because there's no right and there's no wrong. They've both got right and good in their lives and they've both got destructive and broken in their lives. And God loves both of them. And a parable like this exposes our quickness to judge by either behavior or expectations or social settings. And this is what we do. This is what we're so good at. We're so good at judging. In community, and I want to talk us to talk a little bit about this tonight because this is how it outplays itself. We can talk about judgment on a large scale and keep it outside of our own heart but I find it much better to talk about our own hearts because that's where the good stuff happens. And that's where Jesus can work and transform. So in community, in church, in our church, in your workplace, in those places where you have relationship with people, judgment usually looks like elevating people or demeaning them out of the community of humanity. So when we judge, we're either making someone better than us or we're making someone less important than us. 
So just as a really like quick example, if we were talking about beauty and we lined up all the men in the room and we said, let's judge them all on beauty, Brendan would be right at the top. This is my brother-in-law, everyone, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, he loves her too. You know, like there would be, a, we, there would be some that would be up and maybe some that would be down. If we, if we were judging money, we put the average income of, well, I don't know what it is, there would be some that would be up and there would be some that are down. It's like we're always elevating or demeaning people out of the community. This is what happens when we judge. And we do this with ourselves as well. So there are times when we're judging other people and what I do is I elevate myself. Oh, I would never lie like that. Never. And we demean the person and their behaviour. Or I would never say that thing. Or the other side of judgement is that we elevate other people and we demean ourselves. As in... I could never go and talk to that person. Look at them. They've got their life so together. And I am so broken. How could I ever go and have a relationship with that person? And we elevate or demean ourselves and other people based on how we judge each other. This is what happens. And when we do that, we break the oneness. When we do that, we magnify someone's brokenness and we minimise their belovedness. Or we magnify our own belovedness like we're awesome and we um, demean someone else's belovedness. This is what we do. And Jesus is wanting, he has destroyed the system of judgement and he wants us to live without judging. And so what I want you to do is just talk to the person next to you and, I'll, and, I, and I'll, I want to get some responses from you because I think this would be good for us to just talk about rather than just hear me talk about. I want you to think about a time when you judged someone else as less important or less worthy or less holy or less whatever than you. In other words, think of a time where you acted like you were the superior one in any given situation and then I want you to actually think about and talk about what you did, how you behaved. What was it that you did? Can you do that? All right, go. And then I'm going to actually ask you for some feedback because I want us to unpack this a bit. So think of a time when you thought you were better than someone else and what did you do, how did you act, what did you say? Obviously, this side of the church, who are talking very loudly, find it really easy to answer this question. <laughs> you know what? I do actually want you to talk because I want us to have some good feedback. You don't have to tell us the name of the person you judged, if they're in the room, and what you're judging them on, unless you really feel like you'd like to know. Um, but I do want to hear, what, what is it that you do? What is it that we do when we judge others as inferior to us? How do we behave towards those people? And Luke can take the microphone around. Judging my sense of humour. Who's first? Who's first? I can't believe you used the name for this. That's right. All right. Um, so I was talking about someone at work. So um, 
I often run diversity awareness training at work. And I'm doing it for some volunteers, this certain person's volunteers anyway. And we were supposed to bring a variety of people to come and talk to them. And she was like, oh, no, our volunteers cannot listen to some un-Iraqi man. And so straight away I'm like, you are so racist and everything. Anyway, and I'm still really pissed off at her. And so I'm being rude and I don't want to talk to her. And she just needs to come and do the training. And anyway, that's honest. You get rude and short and dismissive of people. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so I was saying to Troy that uh, I feel, I mean, when I'm judging, it's often happening happening internally or whatever, which is probably um, And I wasn't entirely sure physically respond to that, but like when you're asking how do I maybe treat that person, I feel like I earnestly like to continue to love the person without behaving or some of their beliefs. So I don't know if I fully agree with the Mother Teresa point of judging and there's no room for love. Um, it's kind of like saying if you get angry at someone then you can't ever love them or yeah, I don't know, it's it's not this black and white thing. Um, yeah. So I like to do things to a really high standard. So if I feel that someone's not putting in as much effort as I am to make it work really well, then I feel like I'm doing a better job. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Two perfectionists here. Um, for me, I tend, I have found lately that I tend to judge people if they are not on time and respectful of the people if they're not on time. Especially when it comes to being in the classroom. So, and then I kind of find like sometimes I just kind of like want to avoid those people or I don't really know how to approach it. I just have a very high level of So, yep, that's, that's a big one. I think that's really interesting because we judge people on the way that we would judge ourselves. So, like, we have our own really certain expectations about things that we expect of ourselves. So, if that's being on time or whatever it is. And so, we judge other people on what our own expectations are. But we probably all have really different ones in those. An interesting one. I work in a place where there are cliques that have set up where the perceived wisdom in one person is to be not questioned, should we say. So the people give work to that person, that person has a mystical pronouncement and they all believe it and they're all happy. Sometimes they get me involved and I wreck the apple cart because I bring new ways of thinking about things, new ways of investigating things, and sometimes. I overturn the wisdom, the perceived wisdom of the, the guru. And how do you deal with that? I've tried to educate. I've tried confrontation. I've never actually prayed for it yet. 
because it's all about me. Say my judgment um, swings from like avoiding to passive aggressiveness. So that's that's the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, generally based on like where I feel there's a conflict in you know outlook of situation, worldview, or yeah, where I've had the gracious journey of going on along some thoughts about justice or whatever it is where I've been on a journey and then I kind of want to absolve myself of the responsibility and put it on someone else and Donald Trump or you know that kind of thing of just like deflecting any of my own responsibility into I just wanted to um, build on that point that Sarah made about how we judge others is how we judge ourselves. And let's find that with me, usually most judgment happens, it's usually like in the realm of like competition. And so it'll be, that, that the person has to be, like when I kind of rate myself, so I'm thinking of like bodyboarding or something like that, like in the surf. And like, if they're like not very good, it's like, oh, I won't really doesn't matter, they're just like having a go. But if they're like, and if the heat's better than me, I'm like, oh, they're better than me. Like, and I can kind of connect with either of those two. But if they're like, like around that sort of gray area in between, almost as good as me, I start doing this thing of like, I'm a bit better than you, you know, like, you know, like, he can do that, but I can do this. And then they're the people that I become more separated from and passive aggressive because it's like, they're, they're similar enough that, that you will compete with them. Um, but then you start trying to like draw the line of whether they're that little bit better or a little bit below, and you attach yourself to everything. So, yeah, that's that's my experience. Now, what I want you to do, just quickly, um, talk to the person next to you about a time when you judged someone else as more important than you or more worthy than you, or more significant than you, or more holy than you, or more anything than you. So in other words, you were not the superior one, but you felt inferior to someone else. And then I want you to talk about how, what that did to your behavior with that person. Okay, how are we going? Um, could you think of a time when you judged yourself as inferior and how did you behave? Luke, do you want to? I, I don't. I'll, I'll, I'll start. Oh, you, we had the same conversations. Conversations. Um, we were just saying, like, especially... Um, when you look at people who are like the same age as you or whatever, but they've done like all these really cool things or like, you know, they've accomplished all this stuff and you're like, oh, 
they're really either they're really awesome or why did they that person get chosen, not me? But we're saying like even if you do think that person's really cool, you when you're with them, there's always a divide because you're always thinking about like, well, what's wrong with me? Like you're always thinking about how crap you are, <laughs> and like you know, there's always space. Like you can never actually have a relationship with that person because it always becomes about you, and that you have nothing to contribute. You know, like I get really quiet. Just defer. Yeah. Yeah, that word defer uh, was something I was sharing. Just um, of um, looking back at my life, I've been in the past. I say I've been very timid, um, and I, I think that's actually. Judging, you know, it's rating myself against other people and not thinking that my voice or my opinion or my thoughts are worth um, expressing. Um, yeah, and that's, I can see that's, that's quite a self centered thing. It's, it's um, just a lack of confidence in myself, you know, but it's a judging and it's a, it's a ranking. Uh, now thinking about it, I realized how I went in a kind of a cycle of comparing. And in this situation, it's like if I judge myself all the time, and so my reaction often is just to step back and not pursue the relationship. I think it's a similar thing to what you were saying, Sarah, and this isn't it. It always just keeps on coming back on ourselves. It's, we might be comparing ourselves to someone else, but it's always end up just being about us. We, in one way, are judging them, but probably even more so, we're judging ourselves. I think also we can judge ourselves or others a lot with personalities, like especially the introvert, extrovert, like, and you can kind of change in the social situation depending on who you think is the dominant personality. So whether you show who you are or whether you pull back, depending on who's around you. Like, I think that could be in big topic. Oh, oh yeah. Go. I think I've spent a lot of my life like merging with other people based on like what you're saying. Like, what I feel they expect to be interested in talking or relating or whatever it is, I would be become what I needed to be. And that's a pretty big judgment on myself that what I, whatever it is that I am in myself is not enough. I'm not, I'm not like at the beginning of that journey anymore, but I'm still, still finding my way through. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. Hello, merger. My feeling is, and look, this would not be true for, for every person in every situation, but my feeling is that whether or not we're judging ourselves as superior or we're judging ourselves as inferior, that what we do unconsciously, subconsciously, I always get it wrong, um, 
we withdraw on some level and disconnect. So there's a disconnect in relationship between us and another person. Either we're doing it on some subtle level because we think they're less than us or we're doing it because we actually think we're less than them. Now, flicking around to what Adam said, which is, which is great, is that we don't have to do this. When you realize that this is what you're doing, you can actually act in love. That's where we all want to get to, where we're actually aware regularly of the judgments we're making either of ourselves or of one another. Then we've got a choice that lies before us. Will I walk in judgment and act a certain way or will I walk in love? And we can still, you know, make those sort of conscious judgments but choose to engage in love. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to, to be people of love, to be people that don't withdraw from others but people who who lean into others because this is the way of Jesus. Jesus did not look at the mess of the world and think, oh my goodness, they are awful. I need to withdraw. He was like, oh my goodness, they are awful. <laughs> Let me dive right down deep into the mess and so far as to become one another, one of them and even accept all of their judgment to show them there's a way out of this. There is a way of love. And so when we feel ourselves in community, with one another, in church, at work, judging one another, we have a choice. Either withdraw and think, oh, my, I can't go and talk to that person. They've got their life together. They've or, they already own their home. They've already raised their kids. Their kids are nice. My kids are awful. They're really skinny. I'm not so skinny. They've got two legs at work. Mine, you know, whatever it is that we judge each other, we can either choose to judge all of that and withdraw like, oh, I can't go and talk to them. Or we choose, no, I'm going to lean in because I want to be one like Jesus calls us to be one. And I want to love and be a person of love. And so that means I don't just get to judge and withdraw. And the same um, so it works when we feel like we're inferior, but also if we're sort of thinking like, oh, I can't talk to that person, I've got nothing in common with them or whatever. We do judgments we, of others that are less than us. We need to lean in. We need to, to hear their story. We need to not rate each other on our brokenness, but to relate to each other out of our belovedness. So every single person that you engage with day to day is a beloved child of God. They are dignified with the fingerprint of God on all of them and they are worthy of your love and your time and your smile and your respect and your friendship and that when we keep and living in this judgment, we tend to withdraw and that withdrawing creates weird space and this is how it perpetuates itself. This would be like my little example Lucky no one from school will be hearing this, but because uh, the schoolyard's a great place as a child or a mum to become aware of your own judgment. So at my, <laughs> at my, yes, yes, school example, schoolyard example. So uh, the school that our kids go to is very multicultural. There is a, a really large Macedonian um, uh, culture in our school. And let me tell you, these Macedonian women, they are well-dressed, good-looking women. You know, the Australian women drop the children off in track pants and Ugg boots quite happily. <laughs> the Macedonian women are always, like, immaculately dressed and makeup, and they look amazing. And it can be very confronting, just as an ordinary person, to 
walk in there in your own ordinariness with your own hoodie on because you're nearly 40 and you still wear hoodies. And um, to walk past this, you know, this new mum at the school and she's skinny as, and she always wears active wear. And she looks, she's one of those women that can because she's got no cellulite or anything. She just looks really good in active wear and she drives an Audi and she's super tall and blonde and thin and makeup. And she would be the type of person that ordinarily I would just like think, oh, you know, she's just so much more glamorous than me and why would she want to talk to me when I'm wearing my basketball gear? Um, and so if I withdraw and I never smile and say hello and ask for her name, what does she do? The same. Because she thinks, or she perceives some kind of judgment, or she thinks I'm a snob because I'm acting like one. So she thinks, oh, she, that person, well, she, she doesn't smile and say hello. So very few people actually engage in step out. So then it perpetuates itself. Judge not lest you be judged. This is how it works. But we break the cycle when we are always extending the arm of love and when we're treating each other with dignity and respect and when we're not just looking at each other's brokenness or our messiness, but actually loving one another as Jesus calls us to love. And so that's what I want to just challenge you with tonight on this long weekend where you've got an extra day to just pray and seek the Lord, <laughs> that we would become more and more a church that's, that does not suspend judgment on one another, but annihilates judgment. And that we choose to be people of love. And that we engage in the oneness that was what, Je was what Jesus' prayer for us was. And that we model that to the world as best we can. Is that cool? So what I'd like to do, let's just finish with some prayer. And um, I'm just going to lead you in, in two prayers of repentance, really. Where I, you just have some space to repent before God for the times when you've judged someone or for a time when you've judged yourself. And I'll just invite God's love to, to come in good places. Or just close your eyes and get comfortable. Jesus, we just acknowledge that you demonstrated to us a way of non-judgment. That you so loved us that your path was love, your choice was love, your actions was love. And God, we want to be like Jesus. And so we just bring our hearts before you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would search our hearts and search our minds and know us. And if there's any time where we have judged another one of your beloved children that we need to repent of. Would you just bring that person's name or that person's face to our minds? And in your heart, why don't you pray a prayer of repentance just let's go of that judgment that we made.
Loving God, we just bring ourselves to you. And God, I know that so often we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves as inferior. Sometimes, God, we're just so hyper-aware of our own brokenness that we forget how beloved we are. And so, Father God, if there are times in our lives where we have acted like we're less than other people, like we're inferior, where we haven't known your love for us, God, we repent. Father God, I pray that covering over all of this would be your love. Help us to love one another. Help us to experience your love for us. That out of the overflow of your love for us, we would be able to extend the arms of love to one another. And Father God, my prayer is that you would make us the kind of church that is a sign and a foretaste of heaven. That people, when they come into our midst, would sense that this is a place without judgment and that this is a place of love. So, Father God, keep making us into a community just like that. Amen. Wonderful. Well, have a fantastic long weekend. Hopefully it won't rain tomorrow. Maybe chill. It's good movie weather.